Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. When I say these two simple words, IKEA furniture, something comes to mind. It's the official furniture of people who need to fill their first apartment with fixtures and storage solutions on a budget. So maybe what came to mind was the affordable prices. We all know those iconic desks and beds and the cube shelves and things that we've helped set up. And if you don't own one, maybe you've helped your friend set one up. No one ever says that IKEA furniture isn't fun. And no one ever says that IKEA furniture isn't affordable. But what does sometimes get said about IKEA furniture is that it can often be a challenge to put together. Now, many of us right now are either smiling because we've had a memory watching someone put something together or putting it together ourselves, or maybe you're working through the trauma of a situation with some Ikea furniture, but no matter what your experience has been, I think that we would all agree that it's all about the directions. You might not want to follow them. You might not think you need to follow them. You might think it's impossible to follow them, but it's all about the directions. Your success is going to be directly tied to those step-by-step directions to tell you how to get the job done. And this doesn't just apply to Swedish furniture. It applies to our spiritual lives and to our relationship with God. It applies to the way we view the Bible, the way that we interact with the Bible, and the way that we use or don't use the Bible in our lives. Today is week two in our series, Vital Signs, where we're talking through the things needed for life for every follower of Jesus. Vital signs are measurements of the body's most basic function. We got the name for this series from the concept that there are four main vital signs monitored by medical professionals and healthcare providers. Those things are things that you know, like body temperature, blood pressure, your pulse, your breathing. These measurements are taken to assess your general physical health and give clues to possible diseases and show your progress and recovery. And so vital signs tell the story of how you're doing. So why do we take vital signs? Because let's be honest, you can lie to other people and say, no, 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 I'm fine. You can even lie to yourself and say that you're fine, but your vital signs will not lie. They tell a story. And so this year, this month, this week, We're kicking off and we're continuing this series because we want to look at some things that should be vital in the life of a follower of Jesus, of someone who is surrendered to Jesus. So today we want to talk about the instructions for life that God has given us in the form of the Bible. Today we want to focus on the vitality of growing in God's Word. And to do that, I want to take us to a passage that's found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 14 to 17. I'll give you a moment to turn there. I hope that you've got a Bible wherever you're watching this. If you're watching in bed on your phone or watching on your Roku with your family, go ahead and grab your Bible, grab a copy of God's Word, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
verses 14 to 17 and get ready to take some notes and write some things down. Well, just as a quick context to this passage, this is a passage written by Paul. He's giving some life advice to Timothy, who was a guy that he was kind of mentoring and teaching what ministry looked like. And the truth is, as a backdrop to this, that life is tough. Ministry and living on mission is tough. I think many of us who have grown up or are following Jesus right now would say that. And this passage is kind of referring to the last days or what, what they're seeing as the, the final days. Things aren't getting easier and won't get easier as we live in these last days. And so Paul wrote the books of First and Second Timothy to this young protege of his and say, was basically saying, hey, here's some advice. Here's some perspective. Here's some things I think you need to look at. Here's some things that you need to consider. So let's read this together. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. It says this. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Well, the reason that Timothy starts out this passage instructing Timothy, or I'm sorry, the reason Paul starts it out instructing Timothy to remain faithful is because Timothy had grown up in a Christian family in a Christian atmosphere. In fact, chapter one of this book gives us some insight and a glimpse into that. In verse five of chapter one, it says this, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. See, Timothy knew the word of God because of the faithfulness and devoted lives of his mother and his grandmother because they had faithfully invested in his life. And so as we get going here, parents, I want to take a moment and just speak to you because I don't think that we can overlook this. I know we're only one line in, one small section in, but this is what I want to say today first to Parents, I hope you're challenged by this quick excerpt that tells us that we can have a legacy of faith in our family and in the lives of our children. Will coaches have an effect on your children? Yes. Will teachers? Yes. Will youth pastors and other people from church? Yes. But no one has the spiritual impact in the life of your home and your children like you will as a parent or as a grandparent. You can't wait or depend on someone else to do the job, and so it's your job to realize that you can cause spiritual impact. You can read the Bible with your kids. You can memorize scripture with your kids. You can pray with your kids. You can model sacrifice and a life of ministry to your kids. You can model a love for the church and a commitment to the church. In fact, the wording in this passage says that those are things that were invested in the life of Timothy at a very young age. And I don't mean like age 10, age 12. This this wording, the way that it's talking about him growing up in that passage is really talking about like even ages one to three. There are a lot of patterns that parents and grandparents set into the life of their family. These verses kind of tip their hat to two things. It says first that parents can establish the foundation of the gospel so their kids can see what a life surrendered to Jesus looks like. 
That is the potential and the opportunity that is before you, parents. You get to establish that rhythm and you get to establish that foundation of the gospel so that your parents, so that your kids won't have to say, I wonder what it looks like to follow Jesus. They can say, I want to follow Jesus like my mom. I want to follow Jesus like my dad. And you can shape the way that your kids value and approach and depend on scripture because of the way that you value and approach and depend on scripture and the way that you point them to scripture. You can't make your kids follow Jesus, but you can set the tone so that they know the Bible, so that they know the gospel, so that scripture makes sense to them and takes root in their heart. And so there's no greater calling than modeling the gospel and a life surrendered to Jesus for your kids and for your family. That goes for parents, that goes for grandparents. You can focus on retirement. You can focus on buying presents. You can focus on traveling. You can focus on promotions and a lot of other things. But nothing will replace what matters for eternity. Like we talked about last week, we sometimes can have Jesus-adjacent lives, and we think that we're following Jesus when we look around and he's nowhere to be found. And so when you're centered on Jesus, that will leave a legacy and have an impact in your family. If you're not passing on a spiritual legacy, if your eyes are not on Jesus, if your heart and your ministry and your sacrifice is not rooted in his church, I hope this can can be a wake-up call. Parents and grandparents, you get to leave a spiritual legacy for your kids, and we see that in this example right away in the life of Timothy. All right, rant over, got that out of the way. Paul says immediately to Timothy, remain faithful. And this wording here, remain faithful, implies that there are moments and there are people who do not remain faithful. And if we're not careful, there's a drift or there's a glide. There's a current that's trying to take us elsewhere. Here's the truth. Faithfulness doesn't happen on accident. Faithfulness happens when we keep our eyes on Jesus, when we keep our eyes on the prize. I don't know how many times I've been bike riding with my kids and I'm in front of them or behind them and they look over their shoulder to see something and they drift out into a path or they drift out into the road and I'm like, no, 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 keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the road. That's what's being said here. Remain faithful because Paul is saying to Timothy, listen, you know these things that you've been taught. This goes way beyond what you were taught or your parents' beliefs. This this comes down to the fact that I want to show you what you know in your heart. And I want to show you that there is validity in what you've been taught. There's a validity and a beautiful truth in the Bible. And if you're not careful, you can drift from these things. It might be that you get lazy. It might be that you get bitter. People drift for all kinds of reasons. But Paul is saying to Timothy, here's why the Bible is worth it. And nothing should take your eyes off of this truth. And so this morning, I want us to just pull some things out of this passage. These are seven reasons why it's vital to be growing in God's word. Number one is this, that we can pull from verse 16. The Bible is God-breathed right? We see that all scripture is inspired by God. Some other translations say God breathed. And here's the truth. The Bible doesn't just contain the wisdom of God. The Bible is the wisdom of God. It's our foundation in every way. And so that outlook and that foundation changes everything. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That verse right there says that scripture is living and active. Scripture is not like 
other books. It's not like self-help books or really good bestsellers. This book is different. This book is the Word of God. It doesn't just contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God, and it is God-breathed to you and I. And so the Bible isn't just something that can maybe tell us one way to view parenting. The Bible isn't just something that can say, hey, here's something to think about with your finances. The Bible isn't just another self-help book or a marriage book. The Bible speaks to how we should view our very existence and our function and our lives. It speaks to how we should view eternity. It speaks to how we should view pandemics, how we should act in pandemics, how we should vote, how we should view politics and everything in between. The Bible is God-breathed in the very breath of God. Here's another one. The Bible is useful. Verse 16 tells us that, and it simply just means this. The Bible has purpose. It's not just fun to read. It's not just eloquent words that don't translate. It takes us somewhere. The Bible is profitable, meaning this, that it results in growth. And when you spend time anchoring your life and your heart in it, you get a return on your investment. On your investment. The Bible is God-breathed and the Bible is useful. Third thing here, the Bible teaches us what is true. Verse 16 told us that, that the Bible points to what is true. And we've been told that our response to God, the way we live for God, we should worship in spirit and in truth. And so we'll always have emotions, we'll always have actions, but you can't worship and respond or live for Jesus without knowing the truth and being anchored in the truth. And scripture helps us do that. You're not always going to like what you read in God's Word. You're not always going to want to listen to what you read in God's Word. There's moments this week where I was reading things and I was convicted. But what the Bible says is always speaking truth. Number four, the Bible makes us realize what is wrong. Another thing pointed out there in verse 16, we lie to ourselves and we get lost in sin and we're ignorant thinking that we knew, we know how fallen we are. We know what our problem is or where we're at. And sometimes we just need to have sin called out. Sometimes someone just needs to say, hey, here's what's wrong in your life. Like we talked about last week, We know that sometimes we're living Jesus-adjacent lives instead of Jesus-centered lives. Sometimes we just need the Bible to make us realize what is wrong. Number five, the Bible corrects us. The Bible doesn't just point out what is wrong and fill us with guilt. It doesn't just bury us for the sake of doing that and then kick us while we're down. No, the Bible points us to life and hope and helps us put ourselves back on the right path. The Bible corrects us. We're headed one way. The Bible points out that we're headed the wrong way. And the Bible doesn't just say, well, good luck, figure that out. No, the Bible corrects us. How does it correct us? How does it point us to life and hope and get us back on the right path? Well, the Bible teaches us to do what is right. Verse 16 is just telling us truth upon truth upon truth about Scripture. And we already said that the Bible corrects us. And how it does that is by putting us right on this this path. It enforces what is right in our lives. It says, here's something that maybe you've done in the past. Here's something you could do. Here's the the truth that you need to see in your life. This is what will put you back on the right path and cause you to be right. See, the Bible prepares and equips us for every good work. That's the last thing that we can see there, number seven. Verse 17 tells us that the Bible prepares and equips us for every good work. You want to know something about parenting? The Bible's got you. You want to know something about marriage? the Bible's got you. Feeling frustrated or confused in ministry, the Bible's got you. 
wondering how you can teach a truth, how you can pass it on, how you can establish a spiritual legacy, how you can share your faith, how you can lead your business, how you can lead in your marriage, you name it, Scripture is going to inspire you and teach you and push you in that way because the Bible prepares us and equips us for every good work and everything that God could call us to. I even love the way that verse 15 kind of talks about this. It, it basically alludes to this fact that sometimes we have to just remain faithful to the things that we know because we trust them and they will prove themselves to be true. Some of us have been taught scripture over the course of our lives. Some of us are invested in the narrative of scripture. Some of us can think of the heroes of the faith or people in stories that we've read about and we know the truths that their lives prove. And here's the cool part. Sometimes God lets us get to know those people, lets us get to relate to those characters, lets us get to live through their stories. Sometimes we see ourselves in the good things they've done, and sometimes we think, oh, I'm a lot like that guy or that girl that messed up. But as we see those stories, as we get to know those stories, as we're invested in those stories, we can apply those truths from those stories. And that's really how the Bible prepares us and equips us for every good work. I've never been asked to build an ark, but I've been asked to trust God in faith when he's called me into a new space. I can find encouragement from the people of the Old Testament in the way that I've seen God work through their stories. Now, I know there were seven things. Maybe you were writing fast. Maybe you, you didn't get all those yet. And you might be looking at this and saying, wow, Mark, you, uh, you seem pretty excited about this, this Bible probably because you, you teach out of it for a living. And I guess you could say that's the case. But I also want you to know this. Yes, I'm excited about the Bible. Yes, our church is excited about the Bible. And that's kind of the point. If Jesus had given his life for us, that would be incredible. But this is like the, the price is right because Jesus didn't just give his life for us. He said, but wait, there's more. It's like one of those infomercials you might watch. But wait, there's more. It gets even sweeter. Jesus didn't just say, hey, I'm going to go up to heaven and prepare a place. I'll see you guys later. I'll come back and get you. Good luck figuring it out. He didn't just say, uh, good luck. Hope you can, you can get this, uh, this living for me thing. It's kind of weird. Uh, man, I, I don't know. Hope you can do it. He gave us the Bible. He gave us the directions. He gave us God's holy word so that we could walk with him, so that we could depend on him, and so that we could know his intention and his desire for our lives and for our hearts. And so as a Christian, if you're going to follow Jesus, how can you neglect God himself in the form of scripture? It's vital that we know scripture, that we plant ourselves in scripture, that we meditate on scripture, and that we get to know scripture so that God's heart becomes our heart. Jesus said, as we walk life, as we live life, we're going to find ourselves weary and carrying burdens. And he said, listen, I'm the answer for everything you're missing and everything you're needing. And so Jesus has said that we can come to him for peace, that we can live in combination with him, and that when we're joined with him, we can have our best life. We've said often that if we want to experience the life of Jesus. We have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If we're going to apprentice Jesus and walk after him and follow him, we have to do the things that he did and the things that he modeled. And there's nothing that Jesus modeled better than a dependence on scripture. Jesus knew the Bible. Jesus spent time in the Bible and Jesus lived the Bible. And we have to see that as a vital part of following after him, knowing the word, memorizing the word, 
Let me repeat those seven points again, because this is what we want to be our heartbeat as leaders and as followers of Jesus. The Bible is God-breathed. The Bible is useful. The Bible teaches us what is true. The Bible makes us realize what is wrong. The Bible corrects us. The Bible teaches us to do what is right. And the Bible prepares and equips us for every good work. You cannot follow Jesus apart from knowing his word. And you shouldn't even want to try. If you have a heart for Jesus, if you're living your life as a response to him, as worship to him, if you've surrendered your life and your heart to him, you should say, Lord, I hunger for you. I want to know your word. I want to know truth and I need your word. So let me just break this down in a couple, couple words, one, one main sentence, one big idea for today. It's this. Scripture is knowable, necessary, and enough. Scripture is knowable, necessary, and enough. And it is vital that we plant God's word in our heart so that it can overflow from our heart into our lives and our actions and our speech. We're just coming back from the holidays and we've all been in Christmas mode and this year is a little different because we've all been working from home and doing e-learning. But I assume in some ways that that week between Christmas and New Year's still kind of had a classic effect on you. And what do I mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. I mean that you probably didn't shower or put on makeup most of that week. You probably rocked the same sweatpants for four or five days and just don't want to talk about it, right? There's a a time in between Christmas and New Year's where we're waking up and we're like, what time is it? What day is it? And then we, we grab some Christmas cookies that our mom made and we eat those for breakfast and we think that's okay. That's what that week between the holidays is for and that's how we function. But now, guess what? We're back in school. We're back to work in some form and we're realizing, okay, I got to clean my act up. And we start thinking, I got to make some resolutions. I got to eat better. I've got to work out. I need some routine. Living the Christian life is the same way and apprenticing Jesus is, is very similar. I love the phrase that systems create behaviors. And if we want the behavior of our life to be following Jesus, we need to think about what are the systems in my life that help plant me in God's word and help me retain God's word and know God's word. See, we can't just think, hey, I've been, I've been eating garbage. Well, I'm going to magically be better. No. We can't, we can't just go to church once a year, think, oh, my parents are Christians, so I was a Christian, or I follow this famous pastor on Instagram. No, the reason we find ourselves worn out and tired and disillusioned with our faith is because we're malnourished, and we, we haven't been functioning with a schedule and functioning with systems, and sometimes we just find that we're eating junk food. And so I want to say to you, if you feel like your pursuit of Jesus is lacking, it's because you've been eating junk food. If you, if you feel weary, it's because you've been eating junk food. If you feel that you don't know if you're living, you're checking for a pulse, and you don't know if there's a vital sign, it's because you've been eating junk food. The Word of God is necessary for our hearts and for our lives as we walk after Jesus, and the Word of God sustains us. Scripture is knowable, necessary, and enough, and it's vital that you are growing in God's Word. So what do we do with all this information? What do we do with this inspiration today? Well, I want you to know this. There's got to be some application that takes root. And if we're going to be in a relationship with Jesus and walking with him, the Bible tells us that we should be meditating on God's word day and night. If you're going to be sustained by the bread of life, you've got to have a consistent diet. 
You might not like every meal, you might not remember every meal, but you need every meal and you need those nutrients and you need God's word. We need to spend consistent time growing in God's word because it's vital. Many of us that are watching this would would maybe say, hey, I'm a spiritual person or hey, I have a relationship with Jesus. But I think if we're honest, we might say, you know, I don't really know the Bible. I don't really know God's will. I just kind of figure out some things from what I read and what I gather and I try to listen to some people. And many of us need to raise the level of our personal study. Maybe you've been someone who would say, yeah, I read the Bible sometimes. What would it look like for you to open the Bible five days a week? What would it look like for you to say, I'm going to read a chapter a day? What would it look like for you to say, I'm going to read the New Testament this year, or even this? What would it look like for you to say, I'm going to read the whole Bible this year? I mean, imagine saying that you're a follower of Jesus, but you've never read God's Word. I remember the first time I committed to read through the New Testament and spend time consistently with God when I was in high school and the difference that it made in my my life. I remember those nights when I would read scripture and just feel like God was there with me. I, I felt his presence and I knew his will and it began to change me. We want that same feeling and that same emotion, that same grounding leadership for those in our church. And so we've done something this year. We've developed what we're calling reading routes Maybe you've seen that on our social media feed. Maybe you got an email from us as a church. Maybe you've been to our website. But we've developed these reading routes because we want to make it as easy and attainable as we can for you to spend time in God's Word and read through the Bible this year. Now, some of you might be intimidated by that, but I want you to know that it is a a worthwhile thing and it's not as hard as people think. I've got friends that read fiction books and they'll, they'll plow through one or two in a weekend. And when you say, hey, have you ever read the Bible? They're like, oh, it's so overwhelming. Did you know that if you just read four chapters most of the week, maybe, maybe four, five, six days a week, you can get through the Bible in a year. So if you go to our site, you download those plans, you'll see that we've got some JPEGs there. You can make that your wallpaper so that you always know the plan and where you're at. You can download a PDF if you're the kind of person that likes to check that off. But I want to challenge you that this needs to be one of the vital signs that you're checking up on. We take these things for granted. And so how are you spending time in God's word? There's a lot of people taking this challenge to do one of those reading routes. There's a one-year path. There's a two-year path. You're you're probably watching this knowing that that you can check in with your friends. Maybe you can talk to some people in your movement group, talk to some people in, in your men's or women's study that you're in, and you can encourage each other in this and say, hey, I did good this week. I read almost every day. Hey, I took some days off. It's fine. We know people are gonna fail. People are gonna miss a day or two, or you're gonna have a, a crazy day. You, you don't have to read seven days a week to make it through, but I wanna invite you on this journey with us, and I wanna ask that you'll make this commitment. What would it look like? What difference would it make in your life if you invested the word of God, if you got to know the word of God and if you spent time with God? I love the the method that we we often adopt in the trips we've taken to Haiti in the past, the SOAP method, where we would have people read scripture, that's the S, where we'd have people observe what scripture says, apply that to our lives, and then pray and journal, the, the SOAP method. What would it look like for you to read four chapters of God's word every day and apply that SOAP method? The Bible is God-breathed. The Bible is useful. The Bible teaches us what is true. The Bible makes us realize what is wrong. The Bible corrects us. The Bible teaches us to do what is right. And the Bible prepares us for every good work. Scripture is knowable, necessary, and enough. 
and it's vital for you to plant your life and your heart in God's word. Imagine the impact that our church could have when hundreds of people are spending daily time in God's word and that's spilling over in our lives and our relationships and our platforms. Imagine the spiritual depth that you would know if you were daily in God's word. Imagine how it would fuel your personal evangelism and your concept of God's love and the discipleship that's taking place in your life and in the lives of others. And imagine the influence of our leadership and the way that we would lead others at work. Imagine the influence of our parenting. That's the church that I dream of Movement Church being. A church planted in God's word, a church that's changing the spiritual landscape of Hilliard. Let's get in God's word this year. I hope that you can talk about that this week with someone that you know or trust or talk about that in your movement group. Talk about that in your house church, your men's or women's study and encourage each other to be in the word of God. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for giving us your word. Thank you so much for for helping us live this life and live on mission and worship you. Lord, you've given us instructions to encourage us, to sustain us, to pull us through and to, to feed us, to give us the breath of life and God, we just want to say thank you. Help us as a church. Help me as a, as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a leader. Help us as leaders and as a church to hunger after your word. Guide us to your word, Lord. Help us to, to just desire to spend time with you and time in your presence and time growing in your word, Lord. We know that your word has value. We trust you. And so, Lord, we just ask that you'll help us to walk that way this year, Lord. Help us to be planted in your word and fed by your word and desiring your word so that we can live lives that honor you. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encouraged you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or giving online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.